Become a Leslie's Pro member, and with almost a 1,000 locations conveniently located less than 3 miles from your service route, you can quickly get in and out and take care of your customers. Get Skimmer, America's number one pool service software platform. Listeners of the podcast can try Skimmer for free. Visit my website, swimmingpoollearning.com, and click on the Leslie's Pro and the Skimmer banners to learn more. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Hi, welcome to the Pool Guy Podcast Show. In this episode, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about taxes, being self-employed, deductions, everything that you're going to need to know when you file your taxes. And I'm not a CPA, but I have a lot of practical experience with income taxes and being self-employed. And I'll give you some insight into some pitfalls and some things to avoid, of course, and some things that you probably should not do or definitely should not do. Pool Service Pro, open a Leslie's Wholesale account today and receive wholesale pricing on products you use every day. Leslie's Pool Supply offers convenient locations that are open seven days a week. Another great benefit of opening a Leslie's Wholesale account is Leslie's Referral Program. Get referred to a customer looking for weekly pool service. Save time and money and grow your pool service route and become a Leslie's Pro. I think it's probably best to start off with probably the biggest don't when you're self-employed, and that is under-reporting your income or not reporting your income correctly to save on income taxes. And I know this is done a lot, but there is a downside to this. There's actually a double downside to this. I guess a triple downside to this. One is that you're always going to be kind of worried about the IRS if they ever audit you, if you're going to be able to get out of the audit without any trouble. The other downside is that as someone who's self-employed, you do pay some money into Social Security. Probably not as much as if you were getting a W-2 from an employer, but you do get some benefits from Social Security once you retire. And if you don't pay into it, you may have some issues later by having a lower amount than you would normally have gotten if you reported your true income. This happens a lot. I have an aunt that didn't report anything for like 20 years. And this really set her back. And I think she's getting a fraction of what she normally would have earned if she was reporting everything. And this is affecting her now that she's retired. So you don't want to fall into that pitfall. And then the third reason, and I think this is the most important reason why you want to report your income legitimately, is because it really affects your ability to do something later if you want to invest in real estate, which is what I do, because your income to debt ratio is really crucial when you qualify for any kind of mortgage if you're going to buy a rental property. And I see a lot of times, and I talk to my loan guy a lot, where a lot of people don't report their income accurately. And when it goes to kind of generate their, you know, what they qualify for, it's a lot less than if they had actually reported their income legitimately. So if you plan on buying some real estate within the next two to three years, you definitely want to have your income at the level that's going to qualify you for a dollar amount that you're looking for in real estate. The best suggestion I can give you is if you have a local loan broker, my guy here in California is really good. And you just tell him what you're going to report on your income taxes for your income for self-employment. And he'll quickly put the numbers into his computer and he'll be able to tell you, yeah, you'll qualify for 500000 or you qualify for 400000 And that's the total amount that you can qualify for the loan with the down payment. And so this is one of those things that people don't think about until it's too late because they want to see your last two years of taxes 
and if one year you reported really low, and I'm talking about your net, so they don't look at the gross. I mean, if you gross a quarter of a million dollars and you have tons of deductions and employees and you only net 50000 that's the number they're looking at. And by the way, you can't get away with making false income tax statements anymore and sending them to the lender back in the 90s and in 2008 when all the things were crashing. Uh, this is what happened a lot. They would send in a tax return that was falsified. They went on the computer and they did whatever with it or made printed a whole new tax return that was fake. But there's something called the IRS transcript. And so on the IRS website, you can actually order a transcript of your taxes or the lender can order one or have you get one for them. And the IRS transcript is the tax return that you filed. So there's no way you can make a fake one and get away with it like in the old days when people were doing that. So just a little side note that the IRS transcript is what the bank is going to be looking at and not your tax returns or anything you may want to generate to get that loan. And so it's really tight now because 2008, there was a lot of this going on and the market, of course, crashed and the lenders lost a lot of money and the government bailed everyone out and it's a big mess. So that's something that you should be aware of. And I don't mean that when you talk to a lender or a someone who's going to pre-qualify you, that you're lying about your income. You're not boosting it up over what you're making. What I'm saying is that there's a lot of deductions you could take in business. And if you gross 100000 you can probably bring that number down to like 60 or 50. And then you would just take less deductions that year so that your income is higher. You're going to pay more income tax, of course. But you want to have as much net income as possible to qualify for that mortgage. And every every dollar does count. There's been some deals that I've done where it's coming. it came down to within like $20 of qualifying with the debt-to-income ratio. So it's really crucial that you talk to someone beforehand so that he can set you up and you can declare the right amount with the IRS. So I wanted to start off with the biggest pitfalls, I think, of being self-employed. And those are the three that I see as the biggest when you don't report your income correctly. Now, as far as deductions, I'll transition to that right now. There's a lot of deductions in your business that you can write off. You can actually write off a home office. You know, you want to get with your CPA to see what you can write off. But you can take, you know, a portion of your utility bills, a portion of any kind of payments you're making if you have a home office. And this is a rule that is really fine and thin in the IRS. You have to be careful that you have a CPA draw it up correctly to avoid being audited. But the home office does save you some money. You can, of course, deduct any kind of expenses regarding medical supplies, anything you spend on your business can be deducted. Your vehicle is a good deduction because you can take a tax break on either the expenses of your vehicle or the mileage. A lot of people like the mileage benefit because you'll actually make more or, or actually be able to deduct more with the mileage in most cases. If you drive like, you know, 15 or 20,000 miles a year, that deduction is pretty good. They give you every year the IRS gives you X amount per mile that you can deduct. So if you drove 20,000 miles, for example, the IRS deduction is 65 cents, 65.5 cents per mile. You can deduct 13,000 and some change on your taxes, which is a significant amount of money that's been creeping up every year, the mileage deduction. I think when I first started taking that deduction, it was around 30 something cents and it keeps going higher because of course fuel costs are much higher in inflation. So that's a good deduction. Your expenses may be more if you have a truck payment. If you, you know, you can deduct 
that portion of it. But it's one of those things where you have to talk to your CPA about what's better because once you start one form of deduction on your vehicle, you can't switch back to the other one. So if you start with the mileage deduction, you can't switch to the expense deduction. You have to stay with that deduction and you can't switch back and forth between the two. I would definitely pull up the topic number 510 on the IRS site. Again, that's topic number 510. It's the business use of a car. And this gives you a really good explanation of what the IRS will take as far as depreciation, record keeping, and all of that. So you definitely want to look that up and read it for yourself so that you get an idea of what the IRS is looking for when you're taking your vehicle deduction. And it's important to be informed. Even so, if you have a good CPA, you want to also know what would be better for yourself. You could probably calculate it yourself, the expense deduction or the mileage deduction, but you definitely want to take advantage of that deduction. And if you fail to do that, that's a pretty big mistake. And you could save a lot of money on your taxes with that. As far as supplies and equipment, um, there's some things that you can put in there. Of course, anything that you purchase for your business should be deductible and you just have to itemize everything. And of course, keep all your receipts and keep everything in a folder in case anything happens. The good news is if that if you're a C-Corp or an S-Corp or an LLC, corporations actually get audited a lot less than individual tax returns or individual businesses. So the corporation, if you are incorporated, does give you an added layer of protection. But of course, you have fees for the corporation and you have to file personal taxes and your corporate taxes, which adds up to more, uh, more costs when you file taxes. And it's one of those things where you know, what's the better way to do it? I always think that forming an LLC or corporation is probably the better way to run your business. It keeps things clean. It gives you a little bit of protection for liability, not as much as you would think, but it also will give you that layer of protection from the IRS. And as a corporation, you have a lot more leeway in your deductions than as an individual. So I think that would be one of the points I would discuss with your CPA. They can form the corporation for you and they can fill out the paperwork for you. But a good question to ask them is, am I better off as an individual or as a corporation in my business? And I personally am incorporated and I think it's something that you should consider for a lot of different reasons. But one reason is that, again, corporations don't get audited as much and they get some more added tax breaks or benefits. Something that you would want to talk to your CPA about also if your spouse does a lot of work for you in your business, it might be a good idea to form a corporation and then put her on payroll or him on payroll. And that way they'll get a W-2. And this also helps with their Social Security being built up. This is if you want to do that, of course. This is optional, I think, in a lot of cases. But it also benefits your corporation because you are deducting all the money going towards your spouse or if you have maybe a relative working for you, this may benefit you tax-wise. It'll benefit them tax-wise also. Of course, you're going to lose some money on the other end because you're paying double payroll taxes when you have an employee. And so also calculate that, calculate that into your expense as far as should you convert your spouse or relative who's helping you in your business to an employee as your business accountant. And this is something, of course, to discuss also with your CPA. I think in some cases, it makes a lot of sense to convert your spouse to an employee. In some cases, it may not make sense, but something to talk about at the next meeting with your CPA or email them and ask them what you should do. 
and there may be some benefits in doing that. Now, if you find yourself paying extraordinary amount of income tax on your business, which happens a lot because you have your deductions, you have your what you can deduct from your business, and you still have a pretty good income, and you're in a higher tax bracket because of that. My suggestion for you, and I started off the podcast by talking about, you know, reporting your income so that you can qualify for an investment property. And I think real estate is a great way to reduce your tax liability. You have a lot of benefits with writing off your real estate expenses. You can write off the mortgage, the property tax, any kind of association if you buy a property in an HOA, which I recommend you don't buy a property in an HOA. It's a lot of headache and trouble. You can write off depreciation on that property. The IRS gives you a 22-year depreciation schedule. Every year you can write off what the property is going down in value at because it's getting older. In reality, we all know that real estate is actually going up every year, but the IRS still allows you to deduct the depreciation on that property. You can deduct anything you do to that property. You know, if you put a new HVAC system in and it costs $8,000, you'll take that $8,000 and break it up over, you know, 15 or 20 years on your taxes. If you want to, you know, paint the house or do something like that, you can deduct all the costs associated with painting that rental property, and that would be a deduction that tax year. Some items will be deducted over a longer period of time, like if you do cement work or the HVAC system, like I mentioned, it'll be depreciated on your taxes over a longer period of time. But a lot of things are instant, like your gardening service or any kind of repairs you're doing that are smaller. And this really helps offset your income tremendously. If you read the book, The Millionaire Next Door, you're going to read about the was and the pause. And, you know, people with high income, but they don't have any deductions and they're paying the IRS tons of money. And then you're going to read about the other group that has rental properties and other kind of things they can deduct. And you'll see that their tax burden is a lot lower than those that don't have any deduction. So I really recommend real estate as a good way to invest your money because on the other end of it, you are buying properties that are increasing in equity over the course of 20 years. That house should be worth more than what you paid for it. Plus you have the rental income coming in from those rental properties. And then once the mortgage is paid off, if you have two of these, and you're getting, let's just say you're getting, you know, 2500 each on each one. You're going to have an income of 5000 minus some expenses, of course, that are associated with the house besides the mortgage. So you'll have a pretty good income coming in when you retire. Plus, you'll have an asset that you could sell if you need to and cash out and get a substantial amount of money. And then on the end that I'm talking about here, you'll get a lot of great tax benefits or tax breaks that will offset the income taxes that you're paying to the IRS because of the deductions you can make with the rental properties. Now, with the rental properties, the same thing I mentioned at the beginning, you can't fudge with the IRS. There's been cases where they've actually knocked on the door and asked the tenant how much rent they pay. A lot of times you're getting the rent paid through Zelle or through an app like that, and that's also recorded. Expenses, you can try to pad them if you want, but I would say that's not a good idea. You just want to deduct what you pay for just like anything else, and you don't want to pad things because you're going to get a really good tax benefit anyway, and there's no need to pad it by a few thousand dollars. It's just not worth the headache and the trouble it may cause you later. But overall, I think real estate is a great way to save money on your income tax, and then on the other end, it's going to give you some more money for retirement, and you have an asset that's growing, 
and that you put money into that's not losing money. Because if you have money in the bank, the rate of inflation, I, I guess it's low now, like 4%. But in reality, that inflation number is not accurate because you don't really calculate it the way it should be calculated. And any cash you have in the bank, you're actually losing about 8 or 10% every year if you don't invest it somewhere. And I'll end by saying, and this is the crucial part, is that you want to get a CPA that's very familiar with businesses, business owners, and a lot of them aren't taking new clients. Mine's not taking any new clients because he's totally booked up. The IRS is so complicated that it takes him forever to do just one tax return. Mine's pretty complicated because I have a lot of different things going in there. And so he's not taking new clients. But if you can find a CPA that is an expert in small business, he can really guide you and help you. I pay an extremely high amount of money to my CPA every year. By the way, you can deduct that on your taxes. And I think the good TPAs will charge you a lot of money. And it's definitely worth paying more money for someone who can maximize your deductions, maximize your investment savings. All of this really will help you at the end. And so to me, I don't. it doesn't really matter that I'm paying my CPA more than I would pay other CPAs. He's saving me a lot more money on the other end of things. And so don't look at the payment to a CPA as something that's painful and you know you want to get the best one you can find and look at it as part of your investment in your business. If the CPA can save you an extra 10000 on income taxes and he charges X amount more than the other CPAs in the area, it's definitely worth it. I think they refer to that as penny wise and pound foolish by trying to nickel and dime and save money you actually lose money on the other end. And if you're looking for other podcasts, you can find them on my website, swimmingprolearning.com. I have over 1,300 podcasts you can listen to. Just click on the podcast icon there. That'll take you to the site. And if you're interested in the coaching program that I run, you can learn more about it by going to poolguycoaching.com. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Have a great rest of your week, and God bless. Real quick, if you're not using pool service software, try Skimmer free for 30 days at get skimmer backslash pool guy again that's get skimmer backslash pool guy skimmer everything you need to run your pool service business all in one app